Camp, Camp, Camp Radio. Camp Radio. Camp. Welcome to Camp Radio, a podcast production of TN Baptist Camps, the official camps and conference centers of the Tennessee Baptist Mission Board. Camp Radio, discussing trends and issues that will encourage ministries and churches in their efforts to impact people for Christ. To learn more about TN Baptist Camps, visit us at tnbaptistcamps.org. Now, today's Camp Radio. Thank you for joining us on Camp Radio today. My name is Kevin Page, and I'll be your host. Young pastors in the ministry can benefit greatly from wisdom from seasoned pastors, especially during difficult times. Today we have with us Dr. Christopher Ward. He is recently retired director of missions from the Riverside Baptist Association. Chris, thank you for joining us today. Thank you for having me. I appreciate the invite. Well, it's always good to sit down and talk to you, and, and uh, especially when you're coming to visit Carson Springs. And so uh, I'm glad that you had a few minutes that uh, we could just kind of talk about your experiences, especially uh, your recent retirement. And so you've had years of, uh, uh, of experience of seeing what God's done in people's lives and, and just be able to mentor people. So first of all, let's just begin talking a little bit about yourself. Tell, t- just give us a little bit of a summary of, of uh, who you are. Well, um, I was called into the ministry at 17 while I was a student at Union University. I had uh, my first church was I had to cross the creek twice, ford (laughs) the creek twice just to get to the church. And I had 12 members uh, and one deacon. And Miss Brown was winging her uh, her twins. They would get loud. I'd get louder, but they won. And so... uh, (laughs) But uh, that was the beginning of it, and then now I've pastored for 32 years, got my B.A. at Union, and that's where I met my wife, Chrissy, and we've been together 45 years, and then I got my master's at Southwestern, and then I got my uh, uh, MDiv, my doctor's of ministry at Southern Seminary, and uh, so that completes the education. I have two beautiful daughters and uh, two grandsons, Sam and Xavier, and we just found out on our way up here, Kevin, that uh, we're fixing to have another grandson, uh, Raylan. Now, he's not come to us by the usual way because my daughter in Missouri has uh, gone four trips through foster care, Hmm. and this fourth trip, they are going to be able to adopt Raylan uh, October the 23rd, and so we're just so excited to welcome Raylan into our family. Sure, and get to announce to the world uh, yes. that he's coming to be part of your family. That's awesome. Uh, Alyssa, I, I kind of wanted to ask you a question. So at age 17, you you uh, began preaching. Yes. That's awesome. Well, well, tell us a little bit about your background with that. Where you, Did you grow up in a Christian home? It was sort of like this. Daddy didn't have any respect for the church. Hmm. Mama wanted us to go, but she couldn't go herself. And uh, Brother Ivan Rayleigh uh, was my pastor, and he came along at the time that uh, I really was wrestling as a young Christian. Mm-hmm. But under his tutelage, I sort of became his right hand doing vacation Bible school and mm-hmm. stuff like this. I never thought I'd be in the ministry. Yeah. I went to Union thinking I was going to be a Christian educator. Mm-hmm. And that was my, my go, elementary ed. Yeah. And um, God opened one door after another in Green River in Wayne County. Uh, I went down there to see Ivan Rayleigh to help him with his youth. Mm-hmm. And uh, Brother Souter, when I got down there to visit him, 
had already lined me up to go to this church out in the boonies. Oh. I had to cross Ford the Creek twice. <laughs> and so I said, they said, Good, just go out there and share your testimony. Yeah. So I went out there and shared my testimony. Well, I was gone a couple of weeks. I came back, was planning on visiting Ivan Rayleigh. Brother Souter said, do you think you can find that church again? And so I went back to that church. And my first official call to the pastorate was, son, you keep coming till we tell you we don't want you no more. <laughs> and I would travel 91 miles one way from Union University to Waynesboro, and I attended Union University, and uh, I came and did that for $10 a week. Wow. That is something where you say, if God's not in it, right. it ain't going to happen. Yeah. You know? Yeah. And uh, so that was the, the beginning, and then... Uh, I burned out. Yeah. You know, you hear people say, well, if you were really faithful, you would never burn out. Mm-hmm. Folks, let's get real. When you're burning the candle at both ends, mm-hmm. you got Greek class at eight in the morning with Dr. Barefoot at mm-hmm. Union University. You soon come to the place where you're spent and uh, you just really feel like, you know, I need to just rest. Right. Well, I want to tell you, I learned early on in my ministry Never say no to God. Right. Okay. Because I asked God, please let me quit. Mm. You know, well, let me back off. He did. He let me back off. I went back home to uh, Halls, Tennessee, to the community of Nankipo. And I'm going to tell you, God dried up the well. He, nobody asked me to pray. Mm. Nobody asked me my opinion on scripture. And for a preacher that didn't know he was going to be a preacher, I started feeling really miserable. It didn't take me a month to uh, cry uncle. Hmm. And so when I did cry uncle, uh, the Lord opened a church down in the sandbar of West Tennessee. Hmm. Uh, Had to go through the game reserve just to get there. Well, the backwater was coming up. And so when the water was about to cross the road where you couldn't get down there anymore because they just sort of cut them off and they have to have their mail delivered by boat, you Hmm. know, that kind of thing. It's amazing down there. But anyway, that weekend that the water was to cross the road where I couldn't go to that church, I get called from a church in Wayne County. And uh, it was like the Lord saying, okay, you said you'd go wherever I wanted you to go. Okay, do you really mean it? So here I was going back to uh, Wayne County, not quite back in the boonies, but a little bit on the main road. But I was out there and uh, it was like God said, I'll take you back to where you stopped because I'm in the process of doing something with you. And also, he did that. And so from that moment on, any invitation I get, if there's any way possible for me to do it, I'm going to do it. Because the misery that you feel when you're called of the Lord, and I hear people say, well, you know, um, I I thought I could pastor or all this. Listen, it's about the call. Right. Because there are things that will happen in, to you in ministry that if you're not called, you'll go home. And uh, the old adage is, if you can't take the heat, get out of the kitchen. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, churches, bless their heart. Uh, gee, one of the things that have helped me with churches for the most is, Father, forgive them. They don't know what they're doing. Yeah. You know, yeah. and that has been sort of a motto in in the ministry. I've pastored beautiful churches, loving churches. I've never been asked to leave a church, mm-hmm. and every church I've ever gone to and been with, I went to. That's another thing. I didn't go to churches thinking I was just going to be hopping. 
I went to every church that I've ever pastored with the inclination, with the understanding that God was calling me to invest my life there Mm -hmm. until he saw fit for me to go elsewhere. And Mm -hmm. I've been honored over the years that he has, you know, seen fit to allow me to pastor some wonderful, great churches. Yeah, that's awesome. And then to close out my ministry as being a director of missions, which Mm. I have a pastor's heart. So I approached uh, the Riverside Baptist Association as a pastor to pastors and to a friend to the churches. And so that was the only way I told them if they wanted somebody to come sit in the office and work on the computers, forget it. I needed to be with the people. And so for 16 years, there could not have been a better association that God could have carried me to. But that's the thing is when you're seeking the Lord's leadership Mm -hmm. and you're open to where he wants you, not where you necessarily envision that you have the skills and traits to go, but where he wants you to go, then, uh, it's always uh, a beautiful experience. Yeah. It really is. Yeah. Well, over the years uh, being in the ministry and as well as a director of missions, I'm sure you've seen uh, uh, times that God has just had this great movement. And, and share with us maybe a few things of, that you've seen over the years that, that, that God has done. One of the things about me is that uh, I'm a team player. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'm not a Lone Ranger. Uh, I'm not one of those folks, uh, one of those pastors that is so strong in his personality mm-hmm. that uh, he can pretty well build a ministry. Yeah. No, I have always felt led to participate in uh, dreams that others have had. Uh, I pastored uh, First Baptist Gleason, mm-hmm. and uh, when they called me as their pastor, they didn't say anything about needing to build a new sanctuary. (laughs) They had a hundred-year-old building that was falling down. When they finally did tear it down, they found dead cats under the floor, (laughs) under the pulpit. And we wondered what that smell was. They thought it was me, but it wasn't. And uh, But anyway, the the thing is, is that a pastor is a shepherd, and he's a leader. Mm. He doesn't drive them anywhere. Right. Uh, I think that's a major downfall of young pastors today, that somebody is telling them the lie that they got to go to the church and they are the ones that's got to set the move of God in Mm -hmm. that church. And so they've told them that within six months, they've got to change so much. And listen, if you want to drive a death nail Mm -hmm. in your ministry at a church, do that. That is death. Hmm. Because who are you? Hmm. You're a servant of God Hmm. to serve the people and to lead them where he wants them to go. Well, sometimes it takes a while for the people to get the dream and to see where God wants to go. So part of your job or, or your ministry is trying to get them to see what God has for them. Mm. Well, they wanted a new church. Uh, they didn't tell me that at first. Well, I stayed there six and a half, seven years. But anyway, at some point, they came to the forefront. They started dreaming big. Mm. and But they needed someone to say, okay, let's walk through this together and pray through this. And so some things happened. And uh, I'm here to tell you, I saw God move in Gleason First Baptist Church 
They built a beautiful uh, mm. sanctuary, one not like anything yeah. that's in that area. And uh, people would still say they could walk in there and they could feel the very presence of the Lord. Mm. It was, but it was things that, you know, we had to get our head together right. and uh, you have to pay the price. I right. had my head handed to me on golden platters yeah. uh, numerous times because committee members thought I wanted my way, and I was just telling them, make sure it's the church's way, you know, because, again, I'm not driving. I'm leading. And then, But they built the church, and it is a beautiful edifice, and I got to see God do something that was so out of character of everybody that was there. And then I, I am faithful to the convention. Mm-hmm. The Tennessee Baptist Convention which that's what it has always been to me in my era. Okay, now it's the TBMB, and and I've made adjustments for for that. But the Tennessee Baptist Convention and uh, their partnership as a pastor was invaluable, you know, for what they could offer and what they could train us. And and they've gone through various uh, processes on what they thought would be the best way to arrive at this. And so, again— I don't have all the answers. Mm -hmm. I don't need to have all the answers. I just need to be open to God and see where he's at work. Well, I remember in all the the years of pastoring, so many highlights. We used to have an evangelism emphasis Mm -hmm. and everything. Well, one year it was Here's Hope. And uh, we did, everybody had simultaneous revivals. Hmm. Everybody, it was on uh, all the billboards. Yeah. It was on all the books. And, and you even got the New Testament with here's hope, here's yeah. hope, here's hope. And I saw a unified effort hmm. and, a, and a movement across the state of Tennessee that bound us uh, together. Right. That, again, was bigger than any church. And then uh, more recent, and this will be the last one I'll, as a director of missions, God led Randy Davis hmm. to do the Liberty Bell, and he took it upon himself to come to every association hmm. and ring the bell hmm. and to have opportunity to pray on the court square. Right. That, I thought, was such a movement of God. Again, being partners with the convention wasn't a weakness of our uh, of me as a pastor or as a director of mission. It was honoring that God has given us a great fellowship and a big family. And together, as we say, mm-hmm. we can do a whole lot more than we can separately. Yes. Well, and that was uh, that was a great time. I remember I had privilege, Bill, to uh, drive that uh, truck with a bell on yeah. the back of it, uh, at least in, in the upper East Tennessee for about a week. And and that was so much fun to be able to go. We went to courthouses and and see people in the associations gathered there, and we prayed together and rang the bell, and yeah. it was just very moving. And I can't remember it's been it's been I think a few years ago, but of how long it took to get across the entire state. But Randy was consistent. Uh, and and to uh, get to each one of those courthouses and pray and. And so that was a great, you're right, that was a great event. Well, if I could say one more thing about that, is that that was, I'm going to say, early on in Randy's tenure as uh, the executive treasurer. That gave Tennessee Baptists an opportunity to have a face yes. with the convention. I have always contended that the convention, if it does not diligently work 
to maintain a face mm -hmm. before the congregations that uh, the congregations will feel like they are a stranger right. and they will not be connected to them. So Randy, God led him to put a face on the TBC. Mm -hmm. It gave people a chance to know Randy's heart. Right. And it was just a, a movement of God. It was what it was. Oh, yeah. Well, I know with all, all of your years in the ministry you've seen and you've, you've kind of covered a lot of, uh, of of some of your experiences and, and within the church and association and convention. How has the uh, ministry become more complicated today than it used to be? Well, when I started as a young man, the church was open to you. The congregation looked for opportunities to embrace you. I've seen over the years uh, of my ministry a distancing of the congregation from their pastor, mm. either by the fallacy that the pastor needs to be on some kind of pedestal mm. so I can't get close to him. You know, the old adage was a pastor can't have any friends in his church because if they get to know you too well, they won't respect you. And so if you're too aloof, then they feel like you're snotty. It's sort of like yeah. that song about, uh, I saw him in the store and uh, he didn't even bother to shake my hand, you know, <laughs> kind of thing. But the the atmosphere, we've always lived in a, a, a world uh, fallen. And it's always been difficult for a pastor to uh, keep from falling. And it only takes one. Uh, the world would rather believe a lie than the truth, even about the man of God. I mean, there was a time when a pole was taken and the minister was just a little bit higher than the car dealer, you know, and that's used to be saying a lot. Yeah. So, but anyway, but today there will be a few in the congregations that really want to embrace the pastor, but the rest want to be sort of kept at a distance mm -hmm. because they don't want him to know everything. And that's, again, another reason why you don't find a lot of longevity in ministry. Uh, longevity in a church, that is. Right. Usually, uh, I don't know what it is now, but it used to be like three years, yeah. three and a half years. Mm -hmm. And that was because in that length of time, the congregation usually got uneasy about what the pastor knew. Mm -hmm. And if he stayed longer than that, then he might just be uh, preaching on sin, yeah. you know, and, and condemn <laughs> someone. Uh, I, I've always thought the longevity of ministry, though, was what God called us to. Because a lot of times the church's problems have been empowered because uh, no one was willing to stay around to work through an issue. Mm -hmm. They took the easy way out. They went to another church. Mm -hmm. The next guy comes in. Well, in between that next pastor coming and all, that gave the church power brokers a chance to ingrain and build even stronger their control. I remember one situation in our association where um, the pastor of the church was uh, wanting, I think, to exercise that he was a pastor. And one of his men stood right in his face and said, son, do you really think you have any clout around here? Now, this was to the pastor, but that's where we've come. I went to one church. We had an issue with a youth minister. Oh, listen. The Achilles heels of mm -hmm. any church is your music program and your youth ministry. Because in those two instances, the congregation, the families will will respond more with emotion than reason. It didn't matter what the problem was, 
how solid the evidence was that there was a problem. No, yeah. it was youth. Anyway, so the bottom line was is that uh, we tried to correct him. Mm-hmm. Well, he decided he'd just abort ship. And when he did, well, my name was Mud. Mm-hmm. And I had to walk through this for three years. And finally, uh, after three years, the people that I had great relationships with before he came, and he didn't even, wasn't even there a year, uh, they finally came to the place where we could say, let's draw a line. You're never going to agree with me. I'm not going to agree with you. Hmm. But for the sake of the ministry, we need to press on. Yeah. But oh, how I wanted to leave mm-hmm. and ask the Lord. And it was in East Tennessee, so I cried as I went over the mountaintops. <laughs> and me and the Lord had it out. But by the time I got over to the other side of the mountain, God said, tighten your britches, boy. Yeah. Somebody has got to stop the bloodletting. Somebody's got to stay here. If you can't take the heat, get out of the kitchen. Right. So I stayed. And as it turned out, I could have retired at that church. Mm-hmm. When I announced to that church that I was leaving for another opportunity, the Lord <laughs> laid it for me. You would have thought somebody died, hmm. you know, because they just did not. And of course, when I retired from, uh, and I'm not bragging on myself, but right. I, you know, I'm pretty good. Uh, <laughs> but when I, when I retired from uh, the Riverside, and you know, I had people writing me notes mm-hmm. and telling me, "You can't do this. Yeah. You, you can't leave us. You can't do this." Hmm. Now that's not me. That's the Lord. Mm-hmm. honoring a heart that is willing to love and shepherd people and want to lead them, not drive them, mm-hmm. to where he wants them to be. When you look in the mirror and you see what God has had to do with you mm-hmm. as far as grace, I look out over the congregations and the families, not even part of the congregation that just came for help, and I could just see God you know, wanting someone to, to be there for them. And, all. and I was fortunate to pastor churches in small enough towns mm-hmm. where, well, see, in Gleason, First Baptist, uh, I was pretty much the pastor to the whole town, you know, because it only had 1,400 people. You know, when I went to the hospital, it didn't matter whether you were Baptist, Methodist, Presbyterian, whatever. Right. They were related to somebody, and you better come to the door. You know, I, I was fortunate that I had God led me to places, even the Riverside where my uniqueness, uh, whatever you want to call it, God could could use. Yeah. He he led me there. Otherwise, if I'd gone to well Davison County, Rusty mm. Summerall, yeah. and I bless him, <laughs> Lo, I have a lot of respect for Rusty. But no, I, mm. God led me right where I needed to be, right. and I went with the intention of staying until He led me elsewhere. And so, since He was driving. I've had a wonderful trip. Yeah, I really have. Well, with uh, you, all the time you've been able to spend with pastors and and being a pastor of pastors, what what are some things that pastors or obstacles that pastors struggle with uh, more so than anything else today? I would say the time crunch is the most. The COVID had not hit yet, but already. The pressure to uh, be more technology savvy. I told somebody, I said, God, leading the way, led me to retire just before the COVID (laughs) because I would have been at a loss to do these Zooms, you know, and all this other stuff. And so my hat's off to all my my colleagues and, and peers that 
have weathered a lot of that storm right. and still have things to do. It's just so hard today. And that's where Carson Springs and uh, uh, Linden Valley really becomes so important. Mm-hmm. Because if you have a pastoral heart, you love your people. You want to be there for your people. That means being there in the hospital. That means the nursing home. That means the funeral home. That means birthday parties, weddings, every experience of life. And with this COVID pandemic, we've had handcuffs mm. virtually put on. The point is, is that we've created this um, culture of fear. And so pastors are afraid mm. of what they can do, how close they can be. Right. And because of their heart, they're hurting. What do we do? Well, that's where Carson Springs and uh, Linden Valley really meet a need because they can come up here and they can take that quiet walk and find the Lord and and have the Lord sort of embrace them and and, uh, love on them and uh, sort of help them deal with the the lack of being able to be with their own people and that's that's a killer right now that and the technology yeah you know because you got to do the the zoom and you got to do the social media and you got to do teching and all this kind of stuff and then we're just in several different ways very difficult i saw in my ministry uh, just about every year Hmm. there was a new demand on computers with the ACP and all this kind of stuff, book of reports, book of minutes, all this kind of stuff. And, uh, of course, the demands from the TBC, TBMB, Mm -hmm. uh, needing to be more savvy with that. Right. And, and, uh, you know, I I could appreciate that that was stretching me. But uh, you got to remember that when I graduated from college, you didn't have a computer. I didn't pick up the computer till I was doing my doctorate. And uh, that was floppy disk. Yeah, <laughs> you know. And so, uh, uh, so some are say, saying, "What's a floppy disk?" <laughs> yeah, really. You know, all my doctoral works on a floppy disk. I can't even find anything to play it with. You know. Yeah. So anyway, but but you know, today what is being expected of the pastors? Yeah. My my counsel to the pastor, with all the demands on them, is to be true to who God called them to be. Mm-hmm. Don't worry about being the technology whiz. Mm. Don't worry about you. God will give you the grace to pick up what you need for your ministry. Mm-hmm. Don't stress it, but be true to yourself. And if you keep your heart fresh with God, study his word, that's going to be the constant. I yeah. always wonder what's going to happen when our phones die, our computers all get unplugged. And where is the Bible? Right. Be a student of the word and a man of prayer and uh, be true to yourself and God will lead you to the skill set because I can tell you mm-hmm. I never felt going to any church that I had the skill set to pastor that church and when I became a director of mission people would ask me well what does a director of mission do and I said well let's wait and see because <laughs> yeah. I had no clue yeah. other than I was going to come alongside pastors when they were struggling with mm. problems in their church, problems with individuals, maybe even problems of personal nature, uh, and that my door was always open, and they were all had the freedom to come in, and we would sit and talk and pray together. And now that doesn't seem like much, but that's what God's called us to. Right. If we lose sight of our humanity in the midst of all of this technology, then we have lost sight of Jesus Christ. Because if anybody mirrors in the scripture 
someone who is very personable and very much taking time to build relationships. I, if I could digress a little bit, I, I have long time told young pastors, in your uh, ambition, in your drive to be all that God wants you to be, take time for yourself. Hmm. And you may not think you need other preachers, you know, because you, you got your first Baptist church and you got all you need there. You're building your kingdom and all. But the thing is, one day you may want to leave that church. And the Baptist process has always been share what God is laying on your heart with your friends, and then they share it with their friends. And then in that process, God works out the details. Sometimes it's to say, stay put, boy. Mm -hmm. And sometimes it is, I know what you're going through, and you hang in there just a little longer, but I've got a place for you where you're going to be a blessing. They need to take time for pastor's meetings. And I'm not talking about these pastor's meetings where everybody tries to beat each other on the back right. and talk about this. I mean, just, just friends. The shame is, and I say this to my chagrin or whatever, but some of my closest friends have been people outside of the Southern Baptist Convention because in the Southern Baptist Convention, we have a tendency of wanting to brag right. on what we have done, how Sunday we had 200 and something. When that person that didn't have all that, that's just beating his wounds, and that's just bruising him more. What he needed to know is, uh, here's a guy that's real. Yeah. He's got a big church, but he knows my name, and he'll put his arm around me, and we can go out and have lunch, and we can talk about something other than his success. Right. And that is so needed for young pastors. They need to get with other preachers and they need not to worry about what other people think they should do. Well, and I think that after they uh, begin to talk to those pastors, they realize that they struggle with the same struggles that the young pastor does, but they be able to work through that and maybe overcome those too. And, and they become more real to them, don't they? Yeah. If they'll be open. <laughs> yeah. we, we, we preachers are a guarded bunch. Right. We're afraid to come across vulnerable. But, you know, when you finally get to the place where you can be vulnerable with God and he's seen you at your worst, then uh, you can you can face yourself before another person. In my last pastorate, I developed a chemical imbalance. Hmm. I was burning the candle at both ends, hmm. trying to do this, that and the other. Uh, it was a sizable church. My body quit producing serotonin. I just burned it out. So anyway, I went through some nightmare there and uh, thought I was going to have to retire. But thanks to my daughter in Missouri, who's a pharmacist, mm-hmm. and a doctor and a psychiatrist and all, they were able to, uh, and I think with the Lord's help, single out what my problem was. Mm. And so they recommended me taking a drug. Now, I'm like anybody else. I don't want to take drugs. Right. I don't want anybody to think I got to have drugs. Well, I had to get grip with this because the first time I took the medicine, and it was purely they said it'll be two weeks before you will see whether or not this is what your body's needing. I'm here to tell you, Kevin, that when I took the first pill, it was like somebody turned the light on in a dark room. Hmm. And all of a sudden, the world got bright again. Hmm. And God led them to that. Now, being a pastor, I could have 
just sort of said, I ain't telling nobody about that history. They'll think I'm crazy and yeah. they'll think I'm a dopey. And then I wondered, well, how many people are taking blood pressure medicine mm. and need to have that? I wasn't at the time. I am now. Yeah. But I had to say, you know, God used that in my life to help me. How many pastors are struggling with a chemical imbalance or right. they're uh, having a problem with <laughs> this or that and uh, they can't tell their co- they can't tell their congregations because mm-hmm. they don't want them to think they're weak or right. sick. Right. Well, you know, he's sick. We need to get rid of him, get us a new fellow. But I thought, well, God blessed me. He helped me. And so the best thing I could do is that when I hear somebody that are having similar problems or even having problems with a medication that their doctors are saying, like heart right. medication, I can say, hey, listen, there's nothing wrong with that. That's not you being less than you are. That's you admitting that God can give you help. And with that help, you can help others. Right. What are some things that that over the years you've kind of set in place in your own life in which to try to take care of your your emotional health, your mental health in the ministry to cope with certain things? Is there is there certain things that you've kind of set in place that, that's helped guide you through that? Well, I played tennis in college. Mm-hmm. I've never been really athletic, but all through my early days, I was a jogger. And so I would jog. Um, I'd play tennis. Um, I really enjoyed hiking. My wife and I love to hike. You know, we're not hiking as big a trips as we used to. Yeah. Back in the spring, I hiked Mount LeConte. Oh, yeah. Up there and back in the same day, like to died. Uh, (laughs) I said that may be my last trip up there. That's 10 miles, so that's that's pretty good. (laughs) But it was was, uh, something I wanted to do. But the the quietness of walking, I love to read. Uh, I still have maintained uh, the habit of reading to about 2, 3 in the morning every night. Even though I don't have to, you know, don't have to study that kind of thing. But but I, I like reading. Uh, my doctor, when I got the chemical imbalance, they told me I was too intense. And so they advised me to start reading Christian fiction. And I'm all about angels and uh, fighting the demons and all this kind of right. That's my kind of read, yeah, you know. Yeah. Uh, so I keep a book for interest that way. But then I'll have a couple of books that are... Uh, deepening. Right. I'm reading a book right now by a friend of mine who's a Methodist. Well, he left the Methodist church. Hmm. But anyway, he wrote uh, a book called Rock, Paper, Scissors. Hmm. And it's about the power game, mm-hmm. control game. And I'm finding it very interesting, but it's not a easy page turner. Okay. Right. Yeah. But I, I do reading. I love hiking. Uh, my wife and I love to come to Carson Springs. Yeah. <laughs> this is our home away from home. And we just love to, to do. We just recently bought a trike in my last year, last three years of my retirement. Yeah. My roommate in college uh, said, uh, he sort of got me on it. Right. And uh, I said, well, don't get me on it too soon because I, ha- I got a while yet to retire. Yeah. And he said, you don't get it. You have to pay for it while you're working yeah. so you can enjoy it when you retire. And that's been true. So yeah, yeah. we've, uh, uh, you know, enjoyed our trike right. a little bit too much. Just rode it in a downpour and 
got a chest cold. That's oh, yeah. I, that. My apologies for my voice. Uh, <laughs> but when you're soaking wet, and then you got to drive all the way from East Tennessee back to Middle Tennessee in the wind, right. all soaking wet, you're going to come down with a chest cold. Right, right, yeah. yeah. <laughs> well, uh, and and uh, we kind of mentioned earlier, and you, you've kind of alluded this uh, about this through our whole conversation about the importance of just getting away. Yes. Why is it so important? Why is that so important that a pastor can get away, spend time to rest and get refreshed? There's probably not a more demanding, pressured job or calling, mm-hmm. I, I prefer calling, than the pastor. And there are so many demands that are put on uh, a pastor uh, in the course of a single day. Right. So to be able to retreat to where you can just get away from it all hmm. and maybe rediscover your relationship with your wife right. or your children without the the lure hmm. or the temptation to pick up that phone and call and check on something. You know, that's again, whose ministry is it? Yours or the Lord's? And if it's the Lord's, he can take care of it while you take a respite. I tell pastors that they need to come apart before they come apart. I kept stressing that all the time I was a director of missions because I saw the the pressure and the stress on my pastors. And I said, y'all just need, and I saw some have uh, breaks Mm. in their their health and all because they thought they had to be there 24-7. I've had the privilege of ordaining, you know, participating with the ordination of several young men. Mm-hmm. And my counsel to them always is, don't think that you have to die for the church. Mm. Jesus already did that. Love the church, minister to the church, yeah. but it's his bride, mm. not yours. And I can tell you, do all you want, be the best you can be. You kill over in the pulpit. Mm. Two weeks later, they'll form a pastor search committee and they'll replace you. So it's a little bit of a um, wake up call to say, hey, you're only going through this once. Be true to God and to what he's called you to Hmm. and then serve where he takes you to serve. And like I said, it is amazing the the place that God will take you if it isn't about you or it's not your ministry. It's about him and you wanting to be obedient to him. Well, there's so much wisdom in your words. I I really do appreciate you taking a few minutes. I know we've been trying to do this for (laughs) a a couple months, I guess. And I'm thankful that we were able to do that today and and to be able to uh, hear your heart. And and I know that many pastors that are listening right now will be able to gain a lot of wisdom from your words today. Thank you very much. Well, thank you, Kevin, again for inviting me and Maybe there's a little bit of wisdom in yeah, all this, yeah. okay? <laughs> yeah. Thank you. You're welcome. Well, I'd like to thank you also to our listening audience today, to our listening to our podcast. Uh, if you're listening to us on iTunes or Google Play, uh, please add a comment or follow us. That will help others to be able to listen to this great, great resource. We also would love to hear from you. Uh, if you have any questions for Dr. Ward or what we do at TM Baptist Camps, please send us an email at ccinfo at tmbaptist.org. Until next time, I hope that you'll look for opportunities to start a conversation about Christ with someone you know. Thanks for listening to Camp Radio, a podcast production of TN Baptist Camps, the official camps and conference centers of the Tennessee Baptist Mission Board. 
This and other episodes can be downloaded from tnbaptistcamps.org. The ministries of Carson Springs and Linden Valley are supported through the cooperative program and gifts received through the Golden Offering for Tennessee Missions. For more information, visit tnbaptistcamps.org.